Welcome to iFollow. Welcome and good afternoon, everybody, to episode 57 of i4o. It's another two-man episode today, brought to you by none other than myself and Jeff. What's going on? Hey, Matt. Good morning, afternoon, whatever you prefer. Um, I mean, the days have been blending together because I'm currently going through a move, so... Yeah, I hear you. (laughs) But I'm homeless right now, so I found a spot to nestle in and set up my microphone and stuff, and I'm ready for the show. I see a new degree on the wall, so props on that. Yeah, I was able to get that (laughs) in the meantime, (laughs) in between moves. (laughs) Um, Just kind of starting out the show, um, something I don't usually do, but I just wanted to kind of have some welcome comments. Um, we had 121 downloads on our episode last week, and that's in uh, mere seven days. So thank you for everyone who tunes in every week and is downloading our show and staying interested. Um, I also wanted to remind you that we consider this a discussion not only between um, the members of I4O, but also between our listeners. So if you could get involved in conversations via this Twitch stream um, or providing feedback on other various platforms after you listen, if you download the podcast... Um, we care what you think about our show, and we also care about what interests you um, in tech news and the kind of things we're discussing. So if we missed anything or something you'd like us to kind of focus in more on, let us know. Uh, any of our social media platforms, we're actively um, viewing those and looking for anything you have to say. So thanks. Good talk. That's good. Yeah. Um, but without further ado, I think we should get to why everybody tunes in every week. and get started with the tech news um it's a very interesting week to say the least in technology there's there's a couple of uh pretty insane pieces of news followed by like just some interesting talking points and some cool tests of the new ios functionality around older devices um but without further ado i think we should jump right into this first article and um this is a prime lesson on how not to protest something that you don't like. Um, There was an FBI case where they had tracked down the California man who threatened Ajit Pai's family. And I mean, we don't exactly talk light of him on the show, but this is taking that to a whole nother level. And I I don't support this whatsoever. I think this is just downright awful. Yeah, absolutely unacceptable. Um, And this is just something you don't ever say to another human being uh, in general, especially if it's in a serious light. Um, yeah. Obviously, so I'll go ahead. you can obviously disagree with Ajitpai's, um stance on net neutrality, maybe what he even stands for, but to make threats um, towards himself and his family is certainly out of line and unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the man was arrested in uh, L.A., so and they, he used the he sent Ajapai allegedly three emails from the Gmail handle stubble manliness. Um, and apparently that was just he created that email. It, it's the lamest sounding email ever. <laughs> but really he, cre- he created it apparently just because he wanted it to sound tough. And um, he uh, he blamed the commissioner for a child's suicide threatened his kids while listing several Arlington preschools. And he finally included a picture of Ajipai himself and his family. Um, and he sent them in response to the FCC repeal of the net neutrality protections. So like, that's just low like that. You don't, you don't do like that's that person probably deserves to be in jail anyway. Cause if they didn't do it to Ajipai, they would have done it to somebody else. Yeah. And it's uh, a maximum penalty of 10 years in jail that this individual is facing. Um, 33 years old, so that's a lot of prime time of your life. You're going to be in a cell as a result of this. So Yeah. And there's been there's been people who've protested outside of Ajipai's house and people who have uh, sent threats before to him, but none of them have been as, like, as serious or as intense as this threat here. Um, but... There was also some events that happened earlier in the year where he canceled a scheduled appearance at CES 2018 for cons- for security concerns. Um, and I, it's good that these people are locked up because, like I said, this is not how you protest something. If you don't support it, then write your politician or um, go and use the voting system, however hacked or DDoSed it is, 
it's a system that's there um and just showing and just exercising your opinion by voting like there's not that many things you can do to support it but there's a lot of things you can't and shouldn't do so and this is definitely one of them yeah a hundred percent uh it's yeah. certainly not um manly in the least bit to threaten no. someone's children and family as so. a bearded individual i feel like my credibility has been hurt by the email handle that he used i agree i think we're both of us are a little beyond stubble maybe not me but you are for sure a little bit um, so don't don't lump yourself in there matt you're better than that this is now a part of my homeless persona that i'm adopting it so. is all in preparation for this move it is yeah <laughs> i'll officially be in this week and i will be in a much better spot so and my whole livelihood won't be in a basement so <laughs> two thumbs up on that but right um, but yeah, so this is if you're if you're looking for protesting tips, um, just reach out to one of us on Twitter or Twitch, and we'll be more than happy to provide you with several better solutions than whatever this guy attempted to do. Um, even so, just use your common sense and stay out of jail. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's that's just bad. <laughs> I can't like <laughs> something like you can't talk about it that much, but it's when you see that you're just like, really? Like, why? Why would someone do that? It's just awful. Um, but speaking of awful, there are some security threats in LTE. Um, I was skimming the article before the show, and it looks like it's not, well, it's not a trivial attack. It is a threat for anybody who may be in like a Starbucks or in proximity to people who they might not know um, where you will be able to get set up. But um they were theoretically supposed to fix security holes with 3G and 2G and all that with LTE, but um, even this one has its vulnerabilities. And the article goes on to say that there is an attack method nicknamed ALTER, Alter, that takes advantage of inherent flaws and their direct users to hostile. It'll direct users to hostile websites. So right. it's just um, it's just a when it, when you break it down to its lowest level, it's just it's not checking its um, data packets that are being sent on any kind of communication as well as it should. Right. But um, I know you 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 were the one who suggested this article, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this because you well, probably have yeah, you, yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, you, you touched on a couple of the issues there. Um, the attack methods being nicknamed ALTER, um, yeah. ALTER, if you will, um, which it's basically taking advantage of flaws in LTE itself, which is redirecting users to hostile websites, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's a lack of integrity checks uh, in the lower levels, which checks the would check the text in a data packet, which, if you don't know, is the pretty much the smallest form of information. Your transmissions are sent in these things called packets in the stream of them, um, and um, things called DNS packets direct traffic to website addresses, and when you tamper with those, you can pretty much have someone think they're going to one site when in reality you're sending them somewhere else. Um, This could be dangerous if the sites you're directed to look like the one you're intending to go to, especially, um, where they may be taking your personally identifiable information, your login credentials, credit card information, etc. Also, this could be done passively, um, where you could sniff devices to see what packets are being sent by what users, um, which involves, again, being in close proximity. And you would compare those data uh, packets to fingerprints for popular websites. Um, When you find a match, you know um, what websites are being visited, despite things like encryption uh, normally protecting you from that. So LTE is pretty vulnerable here. Um, It's not looking like there's going to be a permanent solution as of right now um, until you're using something like 5G, which would have um, protective measures in place to thwart these kind of attacks. Yeah, so doing doing some additional research, it looks like the the attack range is about one mile. So that's it's still pretty far. Yeah. So you can easily be out of sight of your target. But uh, one of the benefits of this is that the attacks require about $4,000 worth of equipment. So <laughs> if you happen to be in a Starbucks and you see a guy set up with like, what looks like a network like of just all this equipment and like he's got like his headphones on and I'm just picturing like the little readout like spinning like an earthquake thing and like this guy like just in the corner of net of uh of starbucks just like hanging out 
Like you should avoid that person first off. And second off, uh, like you said, visiting secure websites. It, it, and thankfully, most of the high traffic websites are secure. Um, things like Amazon, Facebook, Google, stuff like that. It, you're going to be fine. But if you're exploring like lesser known websites, third party sites, um, then it would definitely be a nice push for you to um, try to either inform those sites that they don't have an SSL certificate or to, uh, if it's your site, get one yourself. Um, because we are like, we are in an increasingly mobile world. And it's, I think, important to um, keep those users secure. Because if mobile users can't trust your website, then you're not going to get any traffic. Right. That's um, like the first thing I do when I go to a website. I'm like, oh, how's their mobile site look? And I open their website up on my phone just like to see if it's like formatted right. And if it's not, I'll just be like, all right, cool. I'm not going to use this site. Right. I mean, I think it's well known that the internet is basically the modern Pandora's box. When you, you go in, there's great things in there, but also terrible things in there. And terrible mm -hmm. people are taking advantage of those terrible things. Um, things like HTTP strict transport security or DNS security extensions can help with these kind of issues. But like you were saying, Matt, not everyone's using these. Um, certainly would encourage those who have the power to put things like that in place to do so. It is expensive. It is annoying to renew certificates every year. Uh, they cost money. But in the end, you're protecting your users. You're giving yourself a good name and yeah. um, definitely something that should be done. And to some of our listeners, this may come as a very obvious point just to say, like, visit secure websites and visit um, stuff with the, the green lock and SSL certs and, like, be safe on the Internet. But, like, the fact that, like, when I look at the Internet like, and I go to websites and I still get that little pop-up on the bottom of the website where it's like, this website uses cookies, just so you know. <laughs> like, that's where we're at in the real world with the Internet. <laughs> the we still need to tell people that cookies are being used across all their websites because I mean, cookies are, they're totally safe. There's nothing wrong with them. They're used by every website. It's how information gets passed between web pages and how information gets stored, like how you can stay logged in on Facebook or whatever. Yeah. Um, just a part of the internet. And the fact that we still have to tell people that, Hey, there's cookies used here is I think a bit of a moot point when it comes to describing to people why they need to be safe because you can't trust most people. So <laughs> there's there was a period of time I tried uh, changing all my browser settings so that I didn't use any cookies whatsoever and, you know, it's kind of, uh, yeah, hone down on those things. And yeah, it's a nightmare. It's absolutely obnoxious to have to do so. Um, mm -hmm. Granted, you are very safe by doing yeah. so in, in multiple ways, but nobody's going to do that on a large scale. It just it's like disabling JavaScript. Like you, if you do it, the website, all these websites that you consider usable just break. Yeah. And a lot of applications on your computer, too. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. You're but, like, why doesn't this run? Oh, JavaScript. Yeah. That's why mm -hmm. it needs JavaScript. But yeah, it's it's something worth talking about. And um, hopefully we won't see too many of these attacks. And if we do, since they are only limited to one mile, it'll be relatively isolated. Um, and also there's a buy-in for hackers of $4,000 worth right. of hardware. <laughs> so that's that's pretty good. And um, I'm going to send an I'm going to put an, an, another article that into the show notes. Um, there was in the article that you had, they linked to the Ars Technica story, yes, uh, which details the attack vectors and mechanisms of the attack in much greater detail. And I think that would be valuable reading material for some of our more technically inclined listeners. Sure. And I had two of the article um, up here. I believe that you're okay. talking about LTE wireless connections used by billions aren't as secure as we thought. Yep, that's, um, it. that's it right there. So that will be shared after the show. So if you'd like to read up more on this, uh, I'd encourage you to do so by reading this article. Yep. And there is also in that article, there's a published paper on this specific attack as well. So if you want to go all the way down and read the white papers on this hack, you can do that straight through these links also. Right. And this is, I think... I mean, if you want to get pop culture with this, is this not what they did in uh, Silicon Valley with the pineapples at that conference they went to? I mean, pretty much, yeah. yeah. There's, like, you can get those. I forget what they're called, but you place them throughout, and it just basically spoofs the Internet. Right. It's like uh, a, a router you put in between devices, mm -hmm. and you have them hook up to a fake network, things like yeah. that. Yeah. That happens at DEF CON as well. Whenever the DEF CON conference comes around in um, Las Vegas, like, I think they say, like, the number of cell towers in Vegas like quadruples whenever DEF CON comes around. And you'd think with cell towers, like there's a fixed number of them. 
and it's very hard to set up a new one, but it's all these people in DEF CON spoofing. So that's why like when you see tech um like tech people who like from the from the press go to cover DEF CON, they bring like burner phones and laptops because they don't want any of their personal information getting like stolen or collected right. accidentally. Because <laughs> they just go there and just farm data from all the people who are in DEF CON. Oh, of course. Yeah. But um but yeah, that's very similar to uh, Silicon Valley and the methods that were used in, in that. So, uh, and, and another reason, like I said, why there's so much of an equipment buy-in for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, there's, there's, there's going to be plenty of reading information in the article for the listeners, but that's a, that's an interesting story. And it's, it seems that like nothing is safe anymore. <laughs> Pretty much. I think that's the lesson we've all learned through the years is yeah, that nothing is safe. Nope. Yeah. And it, we're in a we're in this like golden age of hacking, and where just everything that we thought was incredibly secure is just being torn apart. So, but it's good. I'm happy to to know that at least there's white hat hackers out there who are publishing white papers on these breaches. And <laughs> as long as long as they're not getting prosecuted by the companies, they're doing good research for. Yeah, and um, just one more closing point on this. Something that would be important to know for people who are listening is that this is built into the core functionality of LTE and was a design decision at the setup of LTE when it was being constructed. So this is not going to get fixed. This is just something that is going to be in LTE forever until a better standard comes out and phones are moved onto that. Perhaps 5G may solve that problem, but only time will tell, so we're not sure. But... Let's move into the next topic. There's some interesting uh, news from Apple that I wanted to talk about because it's pretty exciting because it looks like they're actually, for the first time ever, they're looking back at older devices in an attempt to improve efficiency. So um, this uh, this article from CNET, um, some people had placed the iOS 12 beta on the iPhone 5S, which is the oldest iOS device supported by the latest updates. And um, so the example of the iPhone 6 Plus that they had provided was that apps launch up to 40% faster. The keyboard comes up 50% faster. And I know that's been a problem for iOS. And the slide to take a picture is 70% faster. (laughs) So not not like any kind of major like visual update or anything like that, but just just the under the hood stuff is really impressive. And there even are, if I'm not mistaken, some of the, some visual changes to iOS as well. Yeah. I think they're incorporating notification bundling as well, which is something that Android's had for a while. Yeah. They have some uh, cool new features in general. Um, Like you were saying here, while we're talking about the performance increase on old devices, I believe uh, the 5S is, yeah, the oldest device that will uh, handle iOS 12. But even on newer devices, you're seeing performance uh, upgrades and um, some things, as an example, like it not only does it run more smoothly and does it look better while it's running if it was previously lagging a bit, um, but things like swiping away your open apps. Um, when you hit the home button now to get to that screen where it shows you all of your open apps uh, tiled in Windows, instead of uh, dragging and holding, now you can just drag and kind of swipe through them. So that's a lot uh, quicker than it used to be. Um, and I also have a list here of other things that have um, been improved upon. So one big one is that now FaceTime can call, do calls with up to 32 participants simultaneously. That's crazy. It is absolutely insane. Um, there are things like like having conferences or teleconferences that can now happen through FaceTime if you so choose. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like it may be targeted towards like Hangouts or something to compete with like Hangouts and Skype. Yeah. Maybe that's like part of a bigger update to roll it out into more of like a standalone application and less of like just being relegated to the mobile part of iOS. Yeah. Um, Mac. You, you can, yeah, you can answer incoming uh, group FaceTime calls with video or audio on an iPhone, iPad, and Mac, or you can join just audio on your Apple Watch or your HomePod. So, That's nice. yeah, pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but this... The, the 5S, um, just to go into some of the numbers, uh, it really looks like it has improved when you install the update. And the 5S is a very old device. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to, they, they had a list of tasks that they had attempted. And this is a, 
Uh, they even say to themselves, it's a very anecdotal test. It's not very scientific, like there's no controls. And they just ran tasks with the old iOS version on the phone and then installed the beta and then did those same tasks and, and just timed them. So the, the when they launched Mail, it launched a quarter of a second faster. Um, when they launched Safari, specifically CNET.com, it was three and a half seconds faster. Um, when they launched Maps, uh, it was ironically the same speed, and we'll get into that later. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get into why Maps was not quick later. And when they slid to take a photo from the lock screen, it was half a second faster. The keyboard came up one second faster, which is substantial um, in messages. Uh, when the share sheet came up in Safari, it was a full second. And when Siri was completing a request, it was half a second faster, which is substantial. Like I was saying for um, like whenever like I'm on my like particularly with Google, and I'm sure you know this. When you go to share something with somebody, the little share slider, mm -hmm. it comes up and then like a full two seconds later, it kind of pops up again and shifts everything. And you kind of have to wait until that whole process is done. If that was a full second faster, that would be like night and day difference yeah, yeah i and totally agree so users on ios are, are probably going to love the speed improvements yeah of that which is fantastic i think it's um ios 12 looks like if it's going to live up to the hype it, it's probably going to be one of the better updates to come to ios in a long time I have a couple of uh, guinea pig friends that I'm definitely going to have try this out. <laughs> yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to get Urban on that too because Urban is a recent switch into Tim Cook's wild ride. That's right. Known as iOS. So. <laughs> maybe, yeah. we'll get, uh, maybe we'll get Urban on the show and get his opinion on it. Yeah, I'd love to get Urban back on the show. Um, his first-hand experience. It should be noted, though, while we're on the topic, that this is in beta, just to be clear. It's in beta. Mm -hmm. So there are going to be hiccups. There are things that are not fully developed. Uh, this is an early release, so if you are going to try it out on your device, do so at your own um, risk because you never know what apps are going to crash or maybe mm -hmm. that one email you really need to send won't send or something like that. So, Yeah, and... Uh, the, the beta is public, so anybody can download this yes. uh, just as a heads up for anybody who may want to check it out. So, Cool stuff. Um, um, and kind of moving forward with some more features just while we're talking about this beta. Um, you can now use Animojis over your face or a Memoji while you're FaceTiming, and it kind of adheres to what you're doing live. Um, you can also annotate that features you can if you were so inclined you could have things like lines or arrows drawn out of your face you could be wearing a mask whatever you feel like doing um, but that's kind of cool it's um, you know some augmented reality being used in communications now on such a large scale that Apple's doing it in one of their huge apps FaceTime is that is that that is that backwards compatible from the iPhone 10 or do you need iPhone 10 hardware to run that does that's it say a, that's a great question um, it does not say anywhere that I'm seeing here that it's specific okay. to iPhone 10 so well iPhone 5s users don't cross your fingers on yeah that. I wouldn't get your I wouldn't hold your breath but um, yeah. I'll have to yeah. look up on I'll look that up and we'll see okay yeah that would be good to know um and maybe more to follow on that later as we figure that out but uh, I would assume, I think they said they were rolling out some kind of like preliminary. I was gonna say face value. <laughs> That's a little bit too matter of fact there, but um, <laughs> I think they're gonna be rolling out something uh, backwards compatible and in some kind of like how Snapchat handles it. So like it won't be as good, but it will be there. Yeah, you know. So I mean, it's it's possible, but like I said, if anybody who's listening owns a 5s and you're full of joy from the latest round of updates, don't hold your breath on getting Animojis working at its full capacity because it's you're using a 5S and that's an iPhone 10 feature. But either way, um, that's something. And the fact that just, I'm, I'm just really impressed by these numbers, like a full second faster. And this was on uh, a 16 gigabyte iPhone 5S. Yeah. So that's really cool that's like the lowest end 5s exactly so i think yeah. um you know with the things apple is doing with more um less expensive devices that they're pushing uh in the coming months 
that this will be huge for that to make a, a phone that didn't break the bank uh, behave very well and have a seamless animation transitions and you know just good operability in general mm -hmm. I think that's gonna it's be nice great to for see them. them looking backwards for once yeah for sure um, mm -hmm. just uh, and it's also cool uh, there's a focus on privacy too like um, these FaceTime calls have end-to-end -end encryption um, so that the content can normally be viewable by participants of that conversation just mm -hmm. a nice touch there um, yeah it's, that's, that is a nice touch yeah um, there's also other things about screen time so there's mm -hmm. a new screen time tool which uh, helps you understand um, what kind of apps you're using for how much time during the day there's activity reports to relay that information to you if you're trying to maybe cut down on you or your child or whoever's um, use of their smartphone if it's becoming more of an addiction than a device that they use um, you can start using some tools provided by Apple to curb that a bit. Um, you can set limits on how long you can use certain types of apps or specific apps each day. Um, you can set downtime where you choose to block off apps during that time. Um, and of course there's exceptions too where you can always allow certain apps at any time, which you would do I yeah. assume for like the phone or messaging features. Yeah. Yeah. I always talk is going to be nice. Very, very much so. Um, mm -hmm couple more little things here uh, Siri notification suggestions um, you can customize Siri a little more um, by customizing which notifications are more prominent which ones go to the notification center um, you could also customize uh, voice activations for Siri like you could say give me my special news and I'll read articles of certain topics from certain sources to you from that day um, which is a nice tweak I think that would be very useful um, there's things like do not disturb during bedtime. You can set um, a start and end time for do not disturb. Uh, you can make it so when you leave a certain location, do not disturb is turned off. So like if you're in the movies and want to turn it on, you could have it automatically turn itself off when you leave the movies uh, or at the end of a meeting that's in your calendar or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course they're um, brushing up on their augmented reality experience. Um, there's apps that you see every day like files, mails, messages, Safari that are uh, now having AR experiences and um, that's always interesting um, yeah. with, with all their advances in face tracking and augmenting your face and things like that to see what augmented reality they're starting to incorporate with apps that you use all the time. Um, I think cool things are around the corner with that. Yeah, but I want to talk about maps <laughs> we could talk about maps yeah we could we could talk about maps i'm excited to see what they do with maps but um for anybody who wasn't aware or doesn't own an iphone maps is a pile of steaming garbage it is terrible <laughs> wow <laughs> to put it lightly um so they had a lot of problems when it first launched. Um, there was just roads that didn't exist. There were incorrect directions. Um, it didn't know some addresses. Like there, like you name it. Like the problem happened on Maps, and that was because they separated. They had originally leveraged Google Maps for the longest time, but since um, since Apple's recent push to move everything to a more in-house solution. They have decided to build their own map solution from the ground up. And um, after several years of fixing holes and data partnerships and um, working on some small things like transit directions and improvements in business parking and place, and place data, um, it's, not, it's, it's nowhere near Google Maps and it's light years behind Waze. Yeah. It's... And as it turns out, um, Apple has acknowledged that, that this is a problem and they are going to actually be taking this and rebuilding it from the ground up, which is music to my ears because I've had, I, I used an iPhone for a month. Me and my brother switched devices. He went to a Nexus device and I went to an iOS device. And my experience on maps was actually awful. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, this, this news seems to have kind of just come out of the blue. Um, there's no, this isn't like coming at the heels of an event. It's not coming at the heels of any particular problem. 
Um, but it seems that Apple wants to completely reset um, maps. So they're going to be doing this doing a, using a couple of different methodologies. So it's going to be using first-party data gathered by iPhones with a privacy-first methodology. Uh, this is from direct. This is directly from a TechCrunch article um, detailing out the change. And this says the new product will launch in San Francisco and the Bay Area, and with the next version of the iOS 12 beta, it'll cover Northern California by fall. And every version of iOS will eventually get the updated maps. And it seems like that they're going to be expanding this. Um, kind of in a slow rollout type basis. Um, so it's it's interesting to see where this could go. Um, and it looks like that it's going to be more responsive to changes in roadways and construction, uh, more visually rich depending on the context that's viewed in and features a much more detailed ground cover, which includes foliage pools, pedestrian pathways, and more. Um, so there's a lot more you can do when you're actually measuring devices versus measuring traffic data and patterns. So if you're using a privacy, if you're taking a privacy first approach using crowdsourced anonymous, um, just like data, like we don't know who it is, but we know there's iPhones that are in this area. So people can walk this way or people can drive this way. Or if a lot of people are turning away from a road, then maybe they can assume that road has been shut down for whatever reason, and maybe they'll direct people with the flow of traffic to keep that going, which is nice, because I know even Google isn't as responsive when it comes to like impromptu road closures. Mm -hmm. So if this fleshes out to be what they're touting it to be, then this could be a game changer in the, like the third-party map data collection doing it all in-house yeah and the fact that ios or apple owns all this data is even more of a cost save they're not um, crowdsourcing or out or ex or bringing in third-party map data which may or may not be reliable it's all going to be in-house um so they're not gonna they, they and they quoted directly um they have a huge investment in getting it up to par when they launched a um a lot of it was all about directions and getting to a certain place. Um, and they've done a huge investment in making millions of changes and adding locations and all the things over the last six years. But it says they still have room to improve on the quality of maps. But in this case, I guess that's just completely redoing it from the ground up. Um, either way, yeah, it's, imp it's impressive. It's definitely a huge undertaking, but I think you and I and probably a lot of our listeners agree that it was definitely something that needed to be done. Um, and uh, when you look at the fact that 45% of U.S. iPhone users would rather use Google's Map app uh, as opposed to 36% using Apple's integrated system, Maps app, which is the default, uh, means people are going out of their way, going through a reconfiguration process, downloading a different app to not use Apple Maps. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they, they make it almost not like unbearable, but definitely less seamless to use like Google Maps on a phone uh, with Apple if it has an address um, or maybe like an event it'll route you to Apple Maps and be like okay let's get started like you want to go here click this we'll open it in Maps um, I don't believe they let you do that with Google uh, installed right now so I think that a lot of iPhone users will be happy to have that integrated system Maps app working on par with something like Google or Waze um, and I'm definitely excited to see what's to come with it. Yeah. And um, they had seen the, because we, we talked about this on the earlier in the show too, the future of mobile devices is very, very important. And they knew that mapping would be at the core of nearly, as, nearly every aspect of those mobile devices, whether it's from photos, getting location metadata around photos, or directions to location services provided by various apps, whether it's Uber or something. And so... They decided that they moved ahead building a product that relied on a patchwork of data from partners like TomTom, OpenStreetMap, and a bunch of others, and obviously it flopped. It was a, almost, Apple Maps was basically dead on arrival. So um, they took it back, and they said that they had made this decision about four years ago to completely redo this. Um, and because it's so core to most of its 
to most of the functions like we mentioned above. Um, the success wasn't exactly tied to just one and it needs to be great at everything. And if you're pulling all of that location data from individual devices and you're able to get much more of an acute view into the flow of people, services, devices, cars, whatever, um, I think it's going to be a game changer in terms of the power of this device and its ability to react to uh, much more in a much quicker way. This may even end up becoming more feature rich than Waze if it develops in the way that it looks like it's going to. But to any of our listeners who are over in uh, San Francisco who have a iPhone 5S and are currently testing out the speed updates on the iOS 12 beta, feel free to run the maps as well when that launches and, and give us your opinion on that. I'm, I'm definitely curious to hear how this is going to look going forward. I would, I would love a first-hand account on this. Yeah, and another first-hand thing, I would love to see a picture of one of their Apple's uh, Apple Maps fans. So if you see one out and about and can grab a picture of it, tweet it at us, uh, send it to us on Instagram, put it on our Facebook page, whatever you got to do, we'd love to see it. It's like spotting a deer. Pretty much. I mean, I remember when the uh, Google Street View cars would drive around, I used to get excited when I saw them. And I just mm -hmm. want to see what kind of hardware Apple's packing. You know, they're driving around in van, so... Yeah. Who knows what definitely. those look like? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, it'll be interesting to see just like how all of this develops and if it's a, if it's another dead on arrival product or if it actually decides to work and is done very well. And I don't know, I'm, this is better than um, what we've seen from them in the past. It sounds more promising than, Hey, look, it's just another maps app. <laughs> and if like, Whenever I see, I think the only people who use Apple Maps are people that don't know that Google Maps is on the iOS store or people that use Apple CarPlay and the only service in there at, at present is Apple Maps. And they're going to be rolling out Google Maps and Waze by demand later, but Apple Maps is the only solution you have on that automo automotive platform. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if... Um, this is just kind of a shot in the dark speculation, but I wonder if since we were talking about um, on the last episode, how that power mat has a version of iOS running in it. If <laughs> since Apple is embedding iOS into um, the watch, the computer, the um, and like all of their random devices, there's a version of iOS running in pretty much everything they have. I wonder if they're going to be able to leverage their wearables and maybe like more fixed like MacBooks and stuff like that into this maps update i don't know the value of a macbook but it could be very useful for watches to get runners who take their watch out because the big thing at the latest ios keynote was that you could um, get the lte on your apple watch and you could go for a run or go to the beach without your device right. so yeah. yeah i wonder if, if they're gonna Im Im move this or port this functionality over to the new um to the watches I would think so. That would only make sense. Yeah. But I think that's all the news we have on iOS. Yes. For anybody who, for all of our Android listeners who've been waiting <laughs> for this segment to end. Uh, <laughs> but we do have some news on T-Mobile. So they support next-gen texting between carriers through RCS. Um, only if you have a two-year-old Samsung phone. <laughs> so it's not fully rolled out but we've talked about rcs in the past um but it's rich carrier services i think is what the acronym stands for and it's the the future if you will of sms so up until this point um, most of our u.s listeners will be more familiar with sms as um i think the majority of the global market for texting has been moved over to services like hangouts and whatsapp Facebook Messenger, stuff like that, where you don't use SMS data because it's much more expensive in countries that aren't the United States. Um, but RCS is coming to the US, which is basically our approach to how Hangouts and WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger and Allo and all of that handles um, messaging, which is being able to send text messages in a more secure way with more metadata around the actual um, sending and receiving of messages. So you'll be able to see like red receipts 
and you'll be able to know when somebody is typing uh, much in the way you can do on like those various messaging services that I mentioned before. Um, but if you want to test it out on T-Mobile, uh, you need to have a Galaxy S7 Edge or just a normal Galaxy S7. So some people may actually have this because it's only two years old and most phone contracts are a two-year cycle. So you may be able to test this if you happen to be one of those T-Mobile users. Um, but I, it's it's still, even though it's rolled out to a very old device, it's still a good sign in that this could be rolled out to more devices going forward. You would hope it would roll out to more devices. I, I definitely think it's going to. Uh, but uh, I'm curious why they chose these two devices, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think if I had to like take a guess, I would have said that it's because they started developing this technology two years ago and it took them two years to get it to the point where they can confidently roll it out to the public yeah. and they hadn't ported it to new devices yet, maybe. That's mm -hmm. if I had to take a, a stab at why, that would be what I would tell you. Yeah, but, but um, definitely a promising step in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. And I know yeah. there's there are people who have older devices out there, so this definitely will benefit some people. And T-Mobile is one of the faster growing carriers as well. Um, so especially if they complete that merge with Sprint, which was talked about a little bit at the end of last year. So if that happens to go through, then uh, I'm sure we'll see much bigger changes and uh, a much wider adoption and rollout of RCS. But because I, I think as as it goes to show, um, the U.S., most people aren't willing to move away from messages or whatever your default SMS app is, mm -hmm. unless you're doing things like organizing a group message or um, using it to communicate with family members on Facebook or something like that. Outside of those two needs, most people in the U.S. don't do it just because SMS rates are so cheap here. But this is a way to move even those users over into the 21st century because I think SMS was rolled out probably close to 20-something years ago, <laughs> like the protocol itself. Yeah. So it, it's about time we bring text messaging into the 21st century as with the rest of our devices because, like we were saying, there is such an emphasis on mobile computing and just the mobile experience in general. I know Google's been doing a lot of updates to the Android Messages app. I don't know if you've seen that, but there's um, they added in recently the smart replies where you can, much in the same way with Allo, you can like pick a quick response, mm -hmm. um, which is actually fantastic. I love that. It is. But, um, but yeah, it's about time we bring the rest of it forward into it. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes, and I'm looking forward to following rcs as it goes yeah. to the point where i'm even on i'm on google's official rcs newsletter so i'm getting <laughs> like the emails of like all their updates as rcs gets rolled out to various carriers with with the rate we're talking about it i should be on that list as well so i'll be doing that after the show <laughs> yeah I, I don't remember where i got it from but i just looked up google's like rcs team and i think they had a newsletter that you could subscribe to with your email very um, cool yeah but they, they email very infrequently. It's not like a weekly newsletter. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, Which is good. I think that's the best kind of newsletter. Just to uh, go back over the acronym, too, for anyone who's still curious, it's Rich Communication Services. Rich Communication. I thought it was Carrier, but it's Communication Services. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I think I was thinking Carrier because initially every single carrier attempted to roll out their own version of RCS. And then I think the board was just like, no, we're keeping this as a standard that's going to be rolled out across multiple carriers. Yeah. Um, hopefully that's right. Hopefully they didn't roll that back too and go back to carrier specific because we all know what happened back when SMS came out. Maybe not, but there was like five different standards and it was a nightmare. And that's, that's with everything. Everybody wants to be the new company that implemented the standard. Yeah. For sure. Everybody wants to be the next USB. <laughs> yeah, as long as you do a good job, of course, or else you're going to be the butt of everyone's jokes for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it seems like it's definitely cross-carrier, right? Because, I mean, T-Mobile and Sprint can now communicate with each other using this. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, Sprint has, um, Sprint has uh, RCS, and T-Mobiles will um, actually, I think, communicate with that. So, yeah, yeah it says um, they'll... 
be able to do you can participate in 100 person group chats get out among other nope. benefits with people using sprint and other universal profile enabled providers that, that is way too many people for one text group. <laughs> that would be the least that's like a twitch chat like you can't you just can't follow it you get a headache trying to keep up with all the messages yeah unless you're trying to organize like a wedding or something i don't think you'd need that many people there's no law in those chats like no you can't limit the number of side conversations that are occurring. It's like Facebook comment sections. Like yes. it's just a black hole. It's just humanity at its purest form. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All the gloves come off. Yeah. Yeah, it's no holds barred chat. That's <laughs> it. Just raw chat. That's right. That's what it should be. Raw communication services. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. WWE raw, if you will. I like that. I would have liked that joke. I want that. Let's make that standard, and we'll roll it out to the IFRO listeners. Sounds we'll good. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned to episode 745 when we roll out our first ever communication standard. <laughs> oh, uh, boy. But, All right, that's enough for that one. So RCS is pretty innovative, um, which is nice. But there is a lot of other companies that are not Um and I know you you posted this in the chat, so I think we, we wanted to have a discussion on companies and their ability to stay innovative. Um, but if you want to lead this off, go for it. I'm I'm all for getting yes. a discussion going on this because it's something that Silicon Valley specifically, as well as other companies, need to pay very important attention to. Right, and you know our, we go by the name of Industry Four O, so obviously we're of we're interested in industry in general and um you know what people are facing out there last week uh matt and i had a very good discussion at the end of our episode about um workplace exhaustion like being burned out as an employee from having uh, unrealistic timelines and workloads and not being compensated enough maybe not having a manager who supports you in the ways you need to be supported so I figured we kind of uh, follow off that trend of discussion since it was so um, lively for the end of that episode, and we could talk about um, how to stay innovative in your industry or how people are trying to do so and what we think about that. Um, so I found a nice Forbes article here to kind of base this off of, um, and it talks about how business in general is grounded in innovation, which is true. Um, you need to kind of be ahead of the inventive curve in order to be relevant and you know, other companies tend to follow you when you have a really good idea, as we've seen in tech over the past, I don't know, 20 years or so, 30 years. Um, so just generally speaking, they put three items here um, in how to stay innovative. One is to look to the future, which is where are you going to be? Um, what kind of technologies do you anticipate on implementing into your current environment? How will those affect your business? Um, and what's your long-term plan there? Um, the second one is don't be afraid to emulate others. Um, when you hear the word innovation, you think unique. You think uh, an idea that sparked in your head, um, almost like you know ingenuity. Um, but it's not always a bad idea to do what other people are doing um, when it comes to copy. You notches on smartphones. Yeah. Um, sometimes <laughs> there's bad ideas too. But um, don't be afraid to emulate others. People have ideas you see them be successful with those ideas there's a reason that they're successful for those ideas and there's a lot you can learn from your competitors even if you are you know vying with each other for um, consumer support or for sales anything um, and lastly um, experiment with multiple avenues or ideas so this means don't get hard-headed don't put your you know your nose down or have horse blinders on and um, just kind of run without thinking about what you're doing or what other options you have. Um, it's always a good idea to have sort of like a tree of ideas where they branch out into different options. Um, as a tech guy, I tend to think binary here with a bunch of yes or no um, answers and what those ripple out into. So um, you can experiment with multiple avenues or ideas, even if they are complete opposites of each other, um, entertaining um, what could work and what it would bring to the table, what are the pros and cons of each. Um, to innovate, you need to be able to do that. Um, and there's no just, as it says in the article, there's no easy path or shortcut to success. 
So you got to invest your time exploring your options and thinking about what's going to serve you and your consumers uh, the best. No, definitely. And there's there's a bunch of products that come out that are just rushed to market that are like dead on arrival, like Apple Maps, or like don't work very well or are horribly implemented. And it's it's just too fast to come to the market. And it's it's important to make sure that you're grounded in a good idea and you actually like put the investment into your R&D department to make these products as fleshed out as they should be, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like when so a lot of these companies lack all three of these major points or they're very good in one and they're not very good at any of the others. Um, like, for example, I think Google is fantastic at looking to the future, but I think they're terrible at their approach in their shotgun approach to messaging apps and um, just like killing services that they don't feel are important anymore, like on a very abrupt way with very little notice. Mm -hmm. uh, like that's, that's part of the reason why I'm sort of hesitant to adopt Google hardware that isn't like a smartphone or something, just because I don't know if they're going to kill that service or app. Um, within several months or a year or so. So I don't want to get too invested in that um, in that like use case or that specific um, item in a way. Yeah, definitely. Um, You're doing some specifics um, on that looking to the future. So um, take HTC, for example. Um, they claimed 20% of American smartphones and they were in 2010 uh, second only to Apple. And just four years later their market share is now five percent which is four times less users than they previously had and they're far behind samsung's 27 percent so that's a substantial drop in in use and it was just their inability to do anything innovative they had really really powerful device lineups back with like the HTC like one devices like the M8 and the M7 and all that stuff with their boom sound speakers and uh, and like they're and they were the first smartphone manufacturer to implement the full metal unibody device, um, which iOS is now known for, and most other smartphone carriers are now known for. And they used to lead the market, but they just couldn't stay on top of what was next in terms of smartphone innovation and with that they fell behind so now most of their team is a division of google working on the pixel devices they pulled a toys r us and they had to sell yeah <laughs> which happens so, of course but obviously yeah. if you're running that company you don't want it to happen you want to keep running your own company you want to be the one buying other companies mm -hmm. and Going off of that second point, that's, I think, more important than other people realize, being not being afraid to emulate others, because uh, there's been dozens of examples. I can't think of any right off the top of my head where an initial launch, actually Apple, for example, we'll use them. They're, they're a perfect example. Apple always takes Android features and implements them into their device. Um, you don't have to be the first. You just have to be the best at something. So... Yeah. If you see a good idea start to take wind and start to like catch on, such as like the the bigger smartphones, um, or a much better example in terms of with iOS would be something. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific feature like the fingerprint, um, and the vibration motors and stuff like that in their devices. They weren't exactly the first ones to have it, but when they implemented their newer finger, the Touch ID and all that it was the best it was the fastest it was the most powerful piece of hardware now almost every smartphone has some kind of fingerprint authentication um so that's a good that's a solid example and apple's like we, everybody jokes that apple always steals stuff that android has had for the longest of times like they take now they're using oled panels and now they're using this that or the other thing and um stealing like software functionality but and like use stealing smartwatches and uh, but whenever they come into the market, they're the best. They're not the first; they're the best, and that's what people know. So if you can if you can follow a trend and improve on a product that's already out there in such a way where everybody wants to use your device or your product, then that makes 
innovation right there. Yeah. They're taking an existing thing and making it way better for consumers in mass to enjoy that product. Yeah, it's kind of a point that relates to this in the Forbes article too, um, which is talking about the network effect, which it goes on to explain is basically um, producing products which interface with other products you provide, which kind of network with each other to provide additional features, functionality, comfortability that make people want to stay with your product. So like Apple's product suite uh, reinforces um, maybe you purchase a one product that makes another product you already have work in a different way that you will now enjoy and get used to using. Um, so it, that sense of staying power where I'm going to be an Apple consumer is only heightened because of that. Uh, similarly, Google does that. Your, a lot of your data exists with Google, if not the majority of it, um, and their software suite. Uh, they integrate well with each other so that it makes it something you get used to using and you're going to continue to use. Yeah. Um, That's the walled garden effect with devices. Right. Where the deeper you get into their ecosystem, the more beautiful things become in, in your experience with their devices and that's kind of their bread and butter right now is you know they find these things other companies are doing they bring them to their own environment and then integrate it with their existing software people who mm -hmm. are used to using apple or google already are going to definitely continue to do so and maybe not use that other service mm -hmm. um because and that's not only how you entice people to come in that's how you get people who are already there to stay with you um, whether it's just a small improvement on their life if it's something like um, the the ability to share files between all of your devices easily without any kind of worry or have your contacts synced over or with Google, if you have a pixel book and your pixel, you can even leverage Wi-Fi connections through your mobile device. Like th that's a game changer yeah. for, for people in, in terms of ease of access and making their life a little bit more easy. Um, it should be noted too, this can be done cross-industry. So it doesn't have to be a smartphone or software market that you put those ideas back into. You can get ideas from one market and apply them to a different one. So uh, another example in this Forbes article is about Henry Ford with his Model T. Um, he drew inspiration from meatpacking plants when devising mm. an assembly line for producing cars. So he went into that you know, food and agriculture realm, saw something that was ingenious, and then thought, hey, I can do the same thing with automobiles. And that is how the Model T came to fame. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure most of you have heard about that in a history class, or if you're in manufacturing, I'm sure you're aware of it. Um, but that's just another cool way you can yeah. take inspiration from others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even if something works really well for another person doesn't necessarily mean it won't work great for your specific use case. And yep. there's a lot of um, exchanging of knowledge in Silicon Valley specifically, but also a lot of the tech companies around the country um, when it comes to things like just taking best practices that are implemented by companies that may have nothing to do with technology and just implementing it into your work life, whether it makes the quality of the work better and this may not even be the product. This may just be the work-life balance of the employees. Um, just taking that approach and working on improving it will, will overall just improve everything. I think. Yeah. So, I'm I'm very like, and, and there's been a huge push recently to improve those areas of the business, and I think that's very important to keeping your both your employees and the quality of your work up and happy. Certainly. So. Yep. Um, and then just one more point is another example is Vizio. I'm sure yep. that we've all heard of Vizio with their TVs and sound bars. Um, at one point in time, when I, I would see someone with a Vizio TV, I would think, oh boy, like did you just waste your money on something that's going to break in a year because I didn't know much about Vizio. Um, but they have hung in there tough, and now they're known for being a company which provides an acceptable, if not above acceptable, um, Thing like a television or a soundbar that has good quality and it's very affordable. So they took the idea of that, you know, um, HD TV and then turned it into a profitable business because they could provide it for a lesser cost. And I so. think we're starting to see that now with TCL and 4K TVs. Yeah. TCL was the number one seller of televisions in the United States last year. And myself included, I bought one of them, and it works fantastic. It has a Roku built into it. It's 4K HDR. 
<laughs> it's a nice TV, and it was only like four hundred dollars for a fifty-five inch. Like budget 4K is becoming the new innovation for yeah. TVs. And the first one to get to like peak TV at like best price, I think, is going to be the the standout winner in that category. And then it's on to what else they can do with 4K. So we're seeing that today, and it, it continues to happen. Um, but um, to move on to like the last bullet point, like we were saying, yeah, this, um, it's kind of I feel like it's kind of a moot point when it comes to innovation because I'm pretty sure experiment with multiple avenues or ideas is literally the definition of innovation. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but when you break it down into m- the more specifics, it does uh, lend itself to what is happening in the industry and in some of the best companies who are leading the charge with this kind of stuff. So for example, like Apple, Google, Amazon, those companies all have specific departments dedicated to literally just testing ideas. And I think it's a job requirement to work at Amazon to like lead some type of new product or to work on something new or improve something that's already there. Like you're basically like required to innovate on something that they have. And Apple has its department where employees can like, I think, I think it's like you can jump between departments to see where you fit best or what you are more comfortable in or what you want to work on the best. And then it even gets into things where it's like, you can go and work on something new. Google has the 20 percenters where you can spend like 20% of your day working on a brand new thing. Um, Like you can just bill hours to an an, an experimental product using like your leftover time Mm -hmm. that you may not be using. Um, And we've seen stuff come out of that. Like the Google maps team, someone took that and expanded it. And uh, now there's wheelchair accessible locations incorporated into maps. Right. So um, having taking the time as a company to not only provide your employees with an avenue to actually innovate, um, as well as providing things, just even like the basic means and departments required, like investing in your R&D and things like that. So that way they can improve is critical, I think. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing, just making sure your teams have the resources that they need in order to keep up with the market. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's a that, that's a really good point. The, the whole like companies need to innovate and it's something that we see very strongly from some of the people who are in the forefront and we see very poorly from some people who are who were in the forefront but are now falling behind very quickly especially with like things like toys r us recently going out of business and blockbuster being what it was and um more like if going even further back like the fall of like circuit city and stuff like that yeah. but, uh, i think that brings us to the end right yeah i think i i would think so that was um, a really good discussion. I agree. Um, but yeah, so with that, um, that brings us to the end of episode 57. So if you would like to catch up with us on any of our social media platforms, you can find us if you're watching in the stream at the uh, usernames down below on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is for our listeners, Industry 40, all spelled out. Um, if you would like to catch up with us, uh, we, we do post frequently to Twitter and uh, the episodes are published to Facebook. So feel free to catch up with us there and comment and we'll have a discussion with you guys on, on the episode. Anything you want to see us improve on, anything you want to see us get better at or get or correct things that we might have done incorrectly. Um, we are also streaming um, to various platforms as well so if you can't watch us live you can catch the recording which is on uh industry 40 all spelled out dot podbean.com and we are also available on any number of podcatcher services such as um itunes uh google play stitcher tune in uh soon to be spotify i haven't checked if we've been approved for spotify just yet um basically anything you can get the podcasts on we're available and if we're not available take our rss feed which is available at the podbean website and just paste it into the search bar and you'll find us so 
if you would like to watch us, that's it. But um, is there anything that you would want to plug before we end the show or no? So um, not necessarily plug, but if you enjoyed this episode, as apparently um, over 124 of you have in the past week, um, I would just say if you're talking to anyone about something tech-related, maybe something you heard on the show, maybe something you saw in tech news in general, and you have a conversation it seems like they're interested in tech news as well, um, if you could just say to them, hey, there's this podcast I've been listening to. You should check it out. That's all we ask. If you could do something like that and get a couple more listeners every week, um, we love giving the news to you guys, and we love hearing from you. We love you, that you spread um, our show to people you talk to. And As the old adage goes, if you like us, tell one person. If you don't like us, tell two, two, tell two people. I love it. I love it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, but... Yeah, if you send them also, over any, uh, any of our links. Doing that, feel free to leave a review as well because it tells us what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Not to plug, but it does help us a lot yeah. in correcting the mistakes that we're making. Absolutely. We're here to learn, and we want to deliver you the best show we can. So we're Trying to learn and learn you at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I think that is the end of the episode, so... That it is. With that, this is episode 57, and we will see you guys in the next one. Bye.